Welcome into episode 57 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law here with you tonight following Alabama's 27-6 win over Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl out there in Dallas, Texas, AT&T Stadium. Um, pretty easy win for Alabama. Uh, a lot of people, including everybody on this podcast, thought it, thought it would be. Um, you know, not didn't expect Cincy's offense to get completely shut down by Alabama's defense. They've been playing some really good ball down the stretch. Heading into a national championship game matchup with Georgia and a rematch of the SEC championship game. Georgia currently favored by three points. Favorite again, guys. We'll definitely talk about that later. Uh, as this game is very, very intriguing. You lose uh you lose John Mechie, of course, in the SEC championship game. Nick Saban has three weeks to, I guess, prep another uh receiver to fill the void of John Mechie. Ja'Cory Brooks stepped in and guys, I mean. He didn't get the targets that Mechie did. I want to open up with this because this is pretty much the biggest question mark um, because you're going up against two of the best corners in the country and uh, Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner for Cincinnati. We knew they ran that 3-3-5, so we knew that Alabama could run the ball 60 times in this game. They, they didn't have to throw one pass. They could have – I mean, hell, all you needed was one touchdown – so after the first drive, I mean, I think the only time Bryce actually threw the ball, there's one time he dropped back and he ended up scrambling for, for a couple of yards. But I think on the first drive, he threw it one time, and that was the touchdown. Um, so Alabama didn't have to run the ball at all or throw the ball at all this whole game. But um, I thought they did a good job of doing what they needed to do with Brian Robinson. I think he had 135 yards at halftime, ended up with over 200. But I thought they did a good job of getting Ja'Cory Brooks into the game plan. Now, I didn't expect him to haul off and have 10 catches. I, you know, you expected Jameson Williamson or Jameson Williams to be your leading reception guy. Um, and it almost seemed like, guys, that JMO has been that deep ball guy, that go-getter, big play guy um, this season. And Mechie was your – I don't want to say possession receiver because, you know, when you, when you hear the term possession receiver, you think Slay Bolden, the guy that's going to catch it and can't do anything – after the catch, but Mechie was just more your, your mid, mid-range yardage guy. He's a guy that's, you know, going to have more receptions than Jameson, but less yards because J-Mo is a home run hitter. And it seemed like they kind of switched roles. Ja'Cory took over J-Mo's slot in that deep ball threat, and, um, and J-Mo became more of a possession receiver in this game against Cincinnati, um, you know, because J-Mo, you know, he had seven catches. Uh, Brooks only had four, but Brooks had more yards. He had the 44-yard touchdown, so he had that big play. Jamo's longest reception was 20 yards, so it seemed like they kind of switched roles, and Jamison took over John Mechie's role, and Ja'Cory Brooks took over Jamison Williamson's role, Jameson Williams' role. So, J-Law, you know, first things first, how do you think Ja'Cory did in this game? And, um, and, and did, it, did it give you enough confidence that you can go up against a defense like Georgia's and, uh, and be successful through the air. Maybe not as successful they were as they were in the SEC championship game because I don't think anybody should expect that type of repeat performance from Bryce Young in the offense. But how confident are you watching this Cincinnati game that, that Ja'Cory Brooks can fill Mechie's void? Yeah, listen, I thought Ja'Cory Brooks, I thought he played well. They did um, what – he did what they asked him to do. But on the other side of that, no, I mean, he did not show me enough to say that he can be John Mechie, but I think that was by design. 
if you're Alabama going into the college football playoff, you think you have one of the best young dynamic receivers in college football. Um, by the recruiting rankings, he should be the second best freshman wide receiver in college football. If you know that you can run it 50 times and win the game, why would you tilt your hand? So, yeah, you know, he really didn't show me enough to think it can be done. Do I still think it can be done, though, without even seeing if he played the other day or not? Yeah, I think Alabama's got a plan. They've had 30-something days to get ready without John Mechie. But if you knew that you didn't have to throw the ball to beat Cincinnati and you know it's going to be a tad bit of an uphill battle with the plan that you're going to have against Georgia, why would you tip your hand at all as to what that game plan or, or what your plan for Ja'Cory Brooks looks like? I thought they went short to JMO a lot. They're going to make to, – to put it on tape to keep Georgia's DBs honest – I mean, if you're going to give J-Mo a 10-yard reception, that's great. Um, but I also think they wanted um, Georgia to know, listen, this guy's going to run some stuff over the middle. He's going to run some short stuff. You can't just try to clamp him out over the top, kind of double him with a safety high and, and then take him out of the ball game. These are some of the things that we're going to do um, with Jamison Williams, with Ja'Cory Brooks as a compliment. But it's, it's clearly Ja'Cory Brooks. You know, this Alabama fan base, nobody's ever said they're the smartest fan base. Um, but you know, you're seeing tweets about 84 and 10 and all these guys, y'all, it, it, 10 can still play a role. I truly believe that y'all would quit, quit, quit tweeting about a Jai Hall, quit, quit, quit wishing that a Jai Hall is going to be the guy that steps up. He might come in and have to make a play and he might make a play, not saying it's not happening, but he is not going to be the second focal point of this pass offense after you've already seen Ja'Cory Brooks step into the Iron Bowl, make big plays, make a couple plays that you might not have noticed against Georgia's great blocker down the field is Ja'Cory Brooks against Georgia. The first time he got held on one of his uh, reception opportunities, ended up being a first down, had a catch for a first down in that game. So it was clearly going to be Ja'Cory Brooks, but I'm still, my big question is how much protection is Bryce going to get this go around, you know, because when he did drop back, I'm sure the game plan was, hey, Bryce, you can't take a hit. If you don't see it, don't leave it at second and 10. We're going to run the ball and pick up a first down in a couple plays. But Chris Owens kind of, to me, took a step back from that SEC title game. Uh, so, um, you know, you, you, you're already down a little bit with Mechie, but you're still going to have to protect Bryce and give him time to make these throws. Lester, uh, just kind of piggyback – piggyback on that a little bit I know there's not too much left to say that me and J-Law haven't discussed but I, I want to rephrase the question um I asked J-Law are you confident in uh in in Ja'Cory you know re replacing Mechie against the secondary and, and just the all-around defense like George's but my question is to you is is do you think that this game against Cincinnati was enough to give Bryce confidence in Ja'Cory Brooks. Because, I mean, you know, we, we saw Bryce get pressured more than we would like against Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, the 3-3-5, it's not an easy defense to throw on um, because you've got three down linemen, but they're never going to bring three guys to rush the passer. They're always going to bring four. Usually it's five because you have five DBs and you can play a lot more man-to-man -man across the board and you don't have to maybe – sit up see your linebackers in cover two while your corners are in man or maybe your safeties or money has a slot guy or whatever most of the time you're man to man back there and you can also play some zone because you have five dbs you don't have to rely on linebackers so they're coming a lot and uh and so it's tough to pick pick up different blitzes 
Um, I thought the offensive line did okay. I mean, uh, but as far as Ja'Cory goes, Lester, do you think that he gave Bryce the confidence that Bryce needed that, hey, this is a kid I can trust. Um, I trusted him against Auburn for two big catches on the final drive for 40-plus yards. You know, I trusted him against Cincinnati. You know, we had a, we connected on a big play that really sprung the game open in the second quarter right before the half. Um, and, and, I mean, little did we know, put the game out of reach. Uh, you know, it completely changed Cincinnati on offense. They had to go one-dimensional. So, do you think that this is enough to give Bryce the confidence that he needs and Ja'Cory to, to count on him to make plays in the national championship game? Absolutely. I mean, he's trusted him in big spots before. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't continue to do that. You know, not only, you know, those two, you know, the Iron Bowl and the Cincinnati game, but I mean, these guys, surely they've built up a bond since they've both been on campus, you know, at practice. And now the things that have translated from practice, they've happened in the game. He threw it to him in big moments, and Brooks has capitalized in big moments. Um, I, I love that 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 Brooks has continued to grow, you know, make plays, and you know, gotten some really good things on film. Um, Brooks is not a secret by any means, and that's great for Alabama. They can't double up J Mo. They can't bracket him. You know, you're going to have to pick your poison on who you want to try to stop because clearly Brooks has shown that he can be a playmaker um, for this team. So, you know, just another shot of poison, you know, for Georgia. I I like it. I like it. And I like where this trend is going. So, uh, you know, like like we talked about, B-Rob had a career day uh, against Cincinnati. Do what he needed to do. I think the offensive game plan was very good. It was very simple, um, which I think is good for for this Alabama um, for this Alabama team. Because J Law, do we kind of think that Saban and staff knew who they were going to be facing off against? I mean, a lot of people thought Michigan could keep it close. I thought they would keep it close for a while, not three quarters. I didn't expect the game to be over at the end of the first quarter by any means. But uh, Georgia came out, played really good football. Um, in, in their first game after the SEC championship game loss. Um, and so, you know, it's – do you think that maybe there was – I don't want to say minor preparation, but we've seen in the past, like in 2018, when when Clemson blew out Notre Dame and then had a great game plan for, Ala, for Alabama. Um, likewise with Alabama last year playing Notre Dame first round, you just – you know you can win the game doing – your basic stuff on offense and defense. You don't have to show anything new. Like you were talking about J law with the, with the, with getting Ja'Cory Brooks mix in the passing game. You didn't want to show too much. You didn't want to tilt your hand as you say. And so, you know, with, with this game plan being so simple, how much do you think maybe they looked ahead to, and maybe it was Georgia and Michigan, who knows how much do you, how much do you think was going on there? And, and how much do you think that helps Alabama playing you don't want to say an inferior opponent like Cincinnati because they're a very good group of five school one probably one of the best group of five programs ever but when there's a reason that they have group of five and power five like Cincinnati can probably beat I'd say what 115 teams probably in the country I'd probably put Cincinnati over but you give these big programs three weeks to prepare for you 
you just you don't you don't sneak up on anybody. You know what I'm saying? You don't have a whole other playbook for Alabama. I think I talked about this a little bit last week. You don't have a whole other playbook, and you can't surprise Alabama with four days preparation. They know everything you've done. They know every trick play you've ran. So unless you have some more tricks up your sleeve, and, and you know they needed three more touchdowns to get it, and Alabama just took its foot off the gas. So. Jayla, do you think there was a, a little bit of preparation going on for the Natty? And, uh, and and if so, how much does that help Alabama in this, whatever it was, eight, seven, eight days to, to prepare? Well, uh, I think we'd all give Saban enough credit to, to know that Michigan wasn't going to win that game. I, th- I kind of thought it was a little – a little laughable how many national people were thinking that Michigan could hang in there. I mean, they could, but you kind of felt that they just, they just didn't match up on paper, especially with what Georgia wanted to do. And for Alabama, you know, going back earlier in the season, you've already faced two teams that trot out a three, three, five defense and Alabama did the same thing to both of them. Ole Miss and Arkansas ran the ball pretty well, uh, especially Ole Miss. So you kind of already had a, a game plan. You had a book ready, uh, for this game versus Cincinnati, if you saw that style of defense, and Cincinnati is 2000s Boise with two first-round corners. I mean, that's really what they are. Good offense, serviceable offense, not great at running, not great at throwing, but serviceable at both. Very, very um, consistent uh, in finishing drives, playing non-Power 5 teams and scoring touchdowns. They were, you know, one of the top 15 teams in scoring offense, but – so for Alabama going into this game, you felt like you could handle your business by being you. I mean, the announcers pointed it out so many times. You're bigger and faster on both lines of scrimmage. You're stronger. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to hang in there. But saving them, man, they, they, I'm sure the coaching staff knew that this was going to be Georgia probably 90% chance and it was going to be right. And I'm sure the same thing for Kirby Smart. So both of these coaching staffs were probably preparing, at least the staff, maybe not the players, but the staffs, preparing – uh, for the rematch, and rightfully so. I mean, you look at both the games, it's very similar. Michigan scored a touchdown when Cincinnati didn't. Georgia runs a trick play for kind of a fluky touchdown. It's almost an identical game. Neither Alabama's offense nor Georgia's offense really just felt like they were dominant. They kind of moved the ball inside the 20s. No, but it never felt like they were just, you know, firing on all cylinders like they would have been if they were playing, if Alabama and Georgia were on the field at that point in time. So I look for both of these teams to have a good plan. But my my question for Georgia is like, what is in your plan that wasn't a part of your plan in December? You threw it to Brock Bowers 16 times. They got 10 catches for 160 yards. Like what more can they draw up? And, and the, the question of, you know, was the, the SEC title game a fluke? Listen, I'm not saying Georgia's not going to win. But, man, they were up 10-0 ready to beat your ass. And you closed the game on a 41-14 to run in the final 45 minutes. Like, don't tell me. Don't act like Georgia wasn't ready to go in that game. Like, they weren't throwing all their pebbles into it. They wanted to win the damn game, and they didn't do it. So, my question is, like, over the last 37 days, like, what can Georgia actually do different to come out on top? And I've been asking myself that question since Friday – uh, New Year's Eve, and I really haven't come up with many answers. Lester, before we delve into this national championship game, talk, let me ask you, did this do it for the group of five in the playoff, uh, at least the four team? Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll let them in the 12th team because, I mean, gosh, 12 teams, how could you not let them in? I mean, you know, they, they've done everything they needed to do. 
I think if they if they didn't have a win over Notre Dame, who was also top ten, and their only loss was to Cincinnati, I don't know if they would have gotten in this year. But this is going to happen again and again. Um, you know, so Lester, I, I mean, honestly, dude, look, no, no offense. I think they need to break off and they need to have their own playoff. Um, so you can get your Boise State's, UCF's, uh, App State, Cincinnati, whoever else it is, um, you know, ULL, you, you know how I'm saying, the, the dominant group of five schools, they need to have their own 18 playoff. And then the Power Five needs to have a six or 18 playoff. Um, just because from a depth standpoint, I mean, do you look across the field, you look at Cincinnati's sideline, then you look at Alabama's, I mean, this shit isn't even close. And uh, and so, Lester, for you, would you want to see another group of five in the playoff? And I know it's because it's Alabama. And, you know, maybe if they snuck a Baylor in there and Oklahoma State, honestly, it probably would have been about the same thing because Alabama's defense has been playing so well. But, Lester, for, for this group of five being its first playoff appearance, what, what were your takeaways and would you like to see – do you think the group of five deserves another chance to get in? Um, first of all, I agree with you that the group of five needs their own shindy, their own party. Um, I, it shocked me how many of the national media guys were Cincinnati, they belonged and all this crap and yada yada. They did not belong, man. That score could have been whatever Nick Saban decided it to be. I promise you, just look at the stats. Just look at the stats. There's, I mean, imagine if the run pass ratio was flipped. What's the score of that game? I mean, come on. Cincinnati, they, they didn't belong. Um, kudos, great season. And I kind of disagree with what you said earlier. I think that half the SEC could have beat Cincinnati. A motivated SEC, the the Florida that played Alabama, the Texas A&M that played Alabama. Now, of course, you're not going to get, you know, Alabama's effort against Cincinnati. But well, you I, know what? In a playoff atmosphere with three weeks to prepare, you're probably right. Yeah, you're yeah, probably yeah. dead on with that. Yeah. Um. So, I, like, like I said on the previous podcast, Cincinnati is here from all the Boise teams in the early 2000s, all the, you know, App States and all that jazz or whatever. Um, I don't think they belong. Are they good? Yeah, they're damn good football team, but they need their own separate tournaments. They should not be competing with the same um, championship as Alabama is because this is a once in what? Maybe a decade opportunity now that the playoff is here. If this is the BCS era, they they would not sniff the playoff or any kind of national championship, national championship, you know, scenario at all. So this is once in, you know, five, 10, 15 year thing. So kudos to them. No doubt they have a great program, but you know, in the future, I I personally I would want the group of five to have their own championship. So, but no, I don't think they belong, but they got there. <laughs> All right, guys, heading into this national championship, Alabama going for its 19th national championship, trying to go back to back for what, like the fifth time or something. I mean, it's crazy. You got like, what's it like 64, 65 or something, 78, 79 to 25, 26, and then 11 and 12, uh, and then 19 and 20. It's just ridiculous how many times. Alabama has had the opportunity to go uh, for back-to-back national championships. Um, so, but to do it, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs are standing in the way. 
And um, J-Law, let's just start breaking this down, man. I mean, you can really – let's start, number one, with the underdog card um, that I guess you can say both teams are trying to play here. Uh, you know, for Georgia, to me, everything is lining up for them. I mean, you've got the revenge factor. You've got uh, – you know, your your roster is fully healthy. They say Bowers is a little banged up, but Kirby said he's going to have surgery in the offseason. So it's obviously something that he can tolerate and that he can play with and that he has been playing with. Um, and so – and then you look over at Alabama, you've got two corners – two cornerbacks are out. You've got, what, three running backs down with Jace, Roydale, Kamar Wheaton. You're three running backs down. I mean, your 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 backup is a is a piece together. Trey Sanders, who might not even be fully healthy from his car wreck last year. Um, you're down John Mechie, who just torched you in the first half of the SEC championship game. Um, he he's done for the year. Uh, there's just there's so much that hasn't gone Alabama's way, so to speak, and and and. You know, everything is lining up for Georgia to win this game. And that's one thing that I look at whenever I break this down is, you know, and that's something that we didn't factor in really in the SEC championship game. We just thought that Georgia was that much better than Alabama because the last game that Alabama had played was that dreadful Iron Bowl where they gave up seven sacks. Can't If you can't block TD Moultrie and Derek Hall, how the hell are you going to block Georgia, who was like fifth in the country in sacks or some shit like that? So if, if you, you see all this that's going in Georgia's favor, and then I look at the line, Alabama's sitting there as an underdog again, J-Law. And if history tells us anything, you don't bet against Alabama and Nick Saban when they're an underdog. The last three times that Alabama has been an underdog, it's rare – the last three times Alabama's been an underdog, they've won the game by 17 or more points. That's not squeaking stuff out in overtime, boys. That's beating ass. And so how can you sit here and put your – if I gave you $100, how can you sit here and say, you know, like I can just rattle off all the stuff for Georgia, the revenge, you know, finally beating Alabama. Kirby hadn't figured it out. Um, you know, they've got – 58 seniors on their roster. I mean, gosh, they're just – I think they're going to lose like probably anywhere from 15 to 17 starters on, on, off of this team. I mean, they, they just they, – all the pieces – it's almost like 2019 LSU. See how everything fell into place, and then they have like seven first-rounders and like 14 guys that got drafted. That's going to be Georgia. Georgia's going to have 10 to 12 guys get drafted, and the only difference between that team and this Georgia team is that Georgia doesn't have a quarterback this elite. And uh, and then so you see all these things lining up for Georgia J Law, but then you look at that line. Alabama's the dog. So where do you where do you go from a motivational factor, J Law? Who has an edge in this game? Man, if you need revenge, if you need the underdog role, if you need any of this to get yourself amped up for the college football playoff national title game, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. You're, I don't like your odds if you're using that as motivation for lifting a trophy. Now, listen, I know Georgia wants to beat Alabama. I know Kirby wants to beat yeah. Alabama. And I'm not saying they're using it. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, like, it helps. I, I mean, because, yeah, I, I mean, both teams are going to play their hardest, of course. But, you know, just like the SEC championship game, and everybody said nobody 
Alabama had no business being there. You know, they should have lost Auburn ball ball. So they were able to play the motivational card. So it helps a little bit. So in that regard, who has an advantage? No, listen, I, uh, from a personnel standpoint, after all this, uh, I think Georgia probably has the personnel advantage. Owens and Ekior, there's still some speculation on those guys on the offensive line. No, John Metchie, you're very thin at running back. You're d- down two corners. I mean, I look at that, the point spread. I look at a lot of stuff in this game, and I, I just think that, man, Alabama, you talk about teams with chemistry. You talk about teams that have somehow found, like you know they're talented. So, yeah, they've slipped up sometimes. They haven't looked dominant, you know, game in and game out, but they've still found a way to reach the pinnacle of college football. And they're sitting here knowing that they have the greatest coach of all time, the best quarterback in college football, the best offensive player in college football, the best defensive player in college football, maybe the best overall player in college football, and Will Anderson. Uh, And you're looking at your band, you're like, man, we've seen games for Alabama where two guys have beaten you, a quarterback and a receiver, one big-time defender. Like, we've seen it, and Alabama has that recipe. They have the best receiver in the game. They have the best quarterback in the game. And they have the best defensive player in all of college football. And I think those three are enough to get Alabama over the injury hump. And when I look at, man, when I look at Georgia, you know, and they look at the line and everybody, I think the line is solely based off of you can't beat a team twice, which is complete bullshit. Colin Cowherd's on, we have him on one of our stations at work and mm-hmm. listen to him. And, you know, the, the, 38 different times a team that won the first game in the college football rematch in the common bowl era has won the next go round. So 38 times there's been a repeat. Steve Spurrier this week saying how hard it is to beat a team twice. Dude, Alabama beat your ass twice in 1999 on its way to an SEC championship game, but he used his 1996 game versus Florida State as a, as an example and Florida State won in fluke fashion. They got up like 21 nothing, and they ended up winning by three at the end. When I watched that first Georgia game rolling into this one, there's nothing fluky about it. Alabama absolutely beat their ass from the start of the second quarter to the rest of the, to the end of the ball game. So, man, I, I don't play much into the, the, the beat a team twice thing. They play them in the NFL sometimes. Hell, you play teams three times in the NFL, and when you do that, they're all playoff teams, and that's happened like eight times in the NFL. So push all that stuff to the side. I still think Alabama has a little bit more motivation knowing that there's after you go out there and you beat somebody's ass, they're still sleeping on you a little bit. And it's kind of mind-boggling, but that's how it's happening. Yeah, they're sleeping on them a lot. I mean, you know, there's there's a couple of national guys that are thinking, like you talked about Cal Hurt. I saw that same thing you did. Um uh, you know, he, he thinks Alabama's going to win the game, but there's a lot of people that think that Georgia – I mean, the Ve- Vegas, the guys that make trillions of dollars, a trillion-dollar industry, they think – the experts think that Georgia is going to win the game by a field goal. And, you know, you, you go to Atlanta. That's another thing. That, that stadium was, what, 75-25, 70-30 Georgia at least, and, and you win by 17. Um and then, you know, for you to turn around and what'd you say, 37 days later or something like that, roughly five weeks, you play in, you're playing the same team and sure you're down a receiver, um, but you're still an underdog. That is an all time disrespect factor going on. That is, they, they joke about the disrespecting the tide thing on Gump Twitter. That is an all time disrespecting the tide moment right there by Vegas. Um, but, you know, Lester, 
rematches are about creativity. Um, you know, like J-Law was talking about earlier, what can Georgia do different? Well, that's up to their coaching staff. Um, you know, who can get the ball to their playmakers when the other team is keying on it? And which coaches can make the best adjustments from the first game to the rematch? If you, if you really think about it, you're like right now you're in halftime of the total game. You know, Alabama got the first half, but now you're at halftime. You have to make adjustments from one game to the other. Like for Alabama, everybody knows. I mean, Kirby knows. Their whole offensive staff knows. They're going to be keying on Brock Bowers. So do they try to get Jermaine Burton involved, George Pickens, go that way, maybe Darnell Washington, James Cook out of the backfield, which is what I think they're going to do. Um, I think they're going to get those guys more involved and kind of use Bowers as a decoy because if you send him down the middle of the field, that safety's not going to be able to float to the boundary and to the alleys. He's going to have to stay in the middle of the field because you have to respect Bowers and you have to have help over him. Well, that leaves your corners one-on-one, and Kool-Aid McKinstry has not been very good. Um, he, he's not been very good um, – in the SEC championship game and the uh, the first playoff game. I think mean, J-Law mentioned that, you know, he busted – he got beat twice inside the 10-yard line. Ritter just couldn't get get it to the to the guy against Cincinnati. And, uh, and then, you know, Jalen Armour-Davis clearly hurt in the playoff game. He can't even make a simple cut to make a tackle. Um, he gets toasted. He gets taken out of the game. Kyrie Jackson, very unproven. Um, and so, it could be – you know, that's just one example – but Lester, in this rematch, if you're Alabama, and like same thing, same thing goes. Everybody knows that Jamison Williams. All eyes, all eyes are going to be on him because I still don't think Alabama can run the ball very successfully against Georgia. Nobody can. They're just too good up front. Their defense is built to stop the run. They're not built to get after the quarterback. Does that make sense? I think that's why Alabama's offensive line had so much success in the first game because. Georgia doesn't have that dominant edge rusher. They don't have the guy that's like Will Anderson to, hey, go get him here. It's third and seven, pin your ears back, go get him. They don't have that good one-on-one guy. You have to rely on stunts, and you have to rely on blitzes. And when you blitz, you have to go man-to-man coverage. And uh, I think Seth McLaughlin has, has done a very good job of helping on stunts and picking those up, especially the first time Alabama played Georgia, and I think he's going to do it again. I, I don't – I don't maybe see a repeat performance from the offensive line. I don't see Bryce not getting sat one time, but I do think they play well in this game. I think they play better against Georgia than they do Cincinnati because Georgia's just not built to come up with exotic blitzes to get to the quarterback. And uh, if you run your basic stuff out of a 4-2 scheme, I think Alabama does a good job of stopping that. But, Lester, if you're Bill O'Brien – what do you do offensively when you know guys are keying on Jameson Williams and you know you're not going to have a ton of success running the ball? Certainly nothing like the Cincinnati game. Where do you go? What, 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 what players do you target? What kind of plays do you run to move the ball up and down the field against this Georgia defense? I think, I think the obvious answer here is, is to trust Brooks. But going back, I think, you have got to get the tight ends involved. Bingo. The way for them. I don't. Bingo. I don't. I don't know if it's if it's the same route. You know, if you know, run. Just tell them run right past the linebacker. Run right in between the safeties. If it's a you know 10, 15 yard in out sit down route, something. 
anything to get their eyes inside, anything to get them to realize that the tight ends can be a threat to help free up, you know, J-Mo and Brooks and, you know, other guys on the outside. Um, We've seen it before in that championship games. I mean, the tight end is a threat. I don't I don't know if people realize that, you know, 19 is a freak athlete. I don't know where his head is at. I don't know where his heart is at, hell, to be honest with you. Um, 81, lot two, Duke can freak. They can play ball there on Alabama. They're starting for the Crimson Tide for a reason. I don't know what the issue is between them and Bryce or whatever, but they can be a factor. I, they have to be a factor to, you know, be to make the, this offense that more potent against Georgia. Clearly, clearly. And, and I really want to see Bryce, you know, try to get them involved early. Try to, try to, so they can build up their confidence. So, you know, hopefully that's what we'll see. We'll see some some movement, you know, some positive plays from the tight ends. I 100% agree with that. And, and you know, I mentioned it to y'all, but, gosh, there's just Billingsley's only catch of the whole game. I'm pretty sure it's the only time he was thrown to. Uh, I think there was one time Bryce threw him behind him and it went off his hand or something. But he – didn't do anything crazy. He ran like seven yards and turned around and looked at the damn quarterback. Bryce hits him, and then he just runs for a first down. An easy 12-yard play. Easiest 12 yards throwing the ball we had all freaking night. And so, you know, Lester, I'm with you, man. What do you have to do? What's it going to take? And I think that's a really good point is – you don't have to focus on JMO. I think he can have eight to 10 receptions and, and be plenty effective. He doesn't have to have those 75 yard plays that he did in the first, in the first matchup with Georgia. Um, he can have, you know, eight catches, 85, 90 yards. And I think he can be plenty effective there because the tight end, man, if, if Billingsley or Latu is in a three point stance and you've got JMO in the slot, on the same side, where do you think Nolan Smith is looking? Where, where do you think Nicobe Dean is looking? They're looking at one. Screw the tight end. They're no threat. And so if you want to, if you want to bring in a dink and dunk kind of game where, you know, Bryce get him to where he can make quick reads and, and get the ball out and have, you know, JMO your first read always. And then but your second one, if that linebacker flies, hey you know, that you just pop that little tight end right where he left from. It's just, it seems like it's too easy. And I know, of course, there's more that goes into it than that, but it just seems like really easy. seems really easy from a fan perspective. Um, J-Law, same thing, just on the other side of the ball with, with George, with Alabama, obviously King on Bowers. Where do you think Georgia goes? Where do you think Kirby goes and Monkin goes? Um, and, and trying to move the ball up and down the field in this Alabama defense. Do you think it's Pickens, Burton, Cook? What what different thing? Maybe some quarterback runs. What do you think they do differently than they did the first time? I think number one, and I know they're not going to be able to do it, but Kirby knows they have to establish something in the run game. The last two times uh, Stetson Bennett's played Alabama, he's almost throw, thrown the ball 100 times. And clearly that's not working out for them because they've lost those two games by a combined 34 points. They got to find something 
to open up the run. Um, I think they, I think they could easily come out throwing early like they did the uh, last game, but they're going to have to run the football in some way, shape, form or fashion. But I think it's a little bit of the running back out of the backfield. They tried to go to him a couple times on third down in that first game. And they just uh, cook and Stetson weren't really on the same page, whether the routes that cook ran were, were a little too deep, not shallow enough. It was supposed to run them at the sticks. I think that happened on two separate third downs. They had a third down where a receiver got alligator arms. I think it was Burton. So I would look for them to target our corners, man. Like, yeah, you know, you can put Branch on Bowers and you can try to double him running down the seam. But, man, you're going to test Kool-Aid. You're going to test Kyrie Jackson and see what those guys can do. And depending on their success there is what the, what the run defense is going to look like for Alabama. But I'm telling you, if Alabama feels confident, that they can stop the run with five guys in this game, occasionally bringing a blitz, and they feel like they can get pressure with five. And that is with, I mean, that's, I mean, that's on a blitz. If they think they can get pressure with four, with Will Anderson and, and um, oh man, the the freshman, uh, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna like what they uh, what they get with that. So, and I thought in. The- the last time they played, they did a great job. And even when you were giving up drives, subbing in Braswell, Andrew Sanders for Dallas Turner and uh, Will Anderson, like they they were fresh in the second half. Uh, Will and Dallas were so. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of chess match going. The chess going on here, but uh, Pete Golding has really gotten this defense playing playing well over uh, since that Arkansas game. So the Auburn game, the Georgia game, the Cincinnati game in regulation. Man, he hasn't given up many points. Do you um do you go into it with the mindset of look Bowers is going to get his I just can't let somebody else beat me or I'm going to make somebody else beat me like do you do you put so much emphasis on Bowers that you take away and you leave some guys on islands which can be pretty dangerous um or do you just run the defense that you did maybe not the first game or do you like you know what I want McConkey uh, Mitchell, Burton, Pickens, or Cook, I want them to make me beat me. But 19 is not going to get his. If anybody's going to beat me, it's not going to be him. Which which way do you approach it if you're Pete Golding heading into this game? Man, yeah, listen, you want to slow down Bowers a little bit, right? But he didn't beat you last time, man. Unless I get it, they scored 24 points. He had, what, two touchdowns. He dropped another one. But Stetson Bennett also almost made some key mistakes. Now, he did make one key mistake just targeting 19, trying to force the ball to him. Should have thrown two more, should have thrown another pick six in that mix. But I mean, like he's, I think you almost go into it like, man, this guy's good enough. And Todd Munkin is good enough to make sure that he gets catches. But don't give up the big play to a different guy. Don't let Pickens get behind you. Don't get roasted by Burton. Don't let Cook slip out of the backfield. I mean, if, if Bowers hat goes for 10 catches and 115 yards in this game and a touchdown, I mean, dude, that's what this guy's done against everybody he's played this year. And if you're Alabama and you think you can score and you can just keep George in front of you and make them grind out these drives with a quarterback that is clearly the worst quarterback on the field when these two teams play, I think you like your chances. Lester, the keys to this game, can we all agree that it's basically the first time um, it's the same as the first time, you know, if the offensive line protects Bryce, Alabama can beat anybody. Um, you know, uh, it's just how it's been all year. You know, whenever Alabama doesn't have good offensive performances, Bryce is pressured like crazy. I think personally that Kirby's going to have to do 
I think he's a little bit more confident in his ability to quote send the house, so to speak. So I think you're going to see a lot more aggressive approach from Georgia defensively. I think they're willing to give up some 15 yard penalties in the secondary in exchange for some big play sacks, you know, especially on second nines, you know, if Alabama tries to run the ball, you're more than likely going to get a second eight, second nine. And then if you can really get after Bryce and, and, and sack him and make it third and 17, third and 18, then you really put him in a hole. And so I think I'm going to, I think we see a lot of pressure from Kirby early and often and, and, and I'm talking about downs, not just the game early in the downs. I don't think you're going to wait until third and seven or third and six to bring pressure on, on Bryce. I think you see it early, maybe even on first down. Um, and, and so Lester with, with that being said, I mean, really it just goes back to, to what we were talking about with, with, with Ja'Cory Brooks, does Alabama have the horses? to beat man-to-man coverage, whether it's Keely Ringo or whoever it is. Uh, you know, gosh, I forgot. I forgot like half their secondary's name. I just went blank. I'm sorry about that. But Lester, do you have faith in those guys to, to beat the man-to-man matchups? And do you have faith in Bill O'Brien to, to have the hot routes and the check downs? And, and I mean, we know we have faith in Bryce, right? I, you're stupid if you don't have faith in Bryce. But, you know, not and not just that. The keys to the game, Lester – can the offensive line protect, which I think they can against the four- and five-man pressures, but I think Georgia brings six and seven a lot. And so what are the keys to the game if that's Georgia's game plan? Offensively, what are the keys to the game? Is it 19 that like we just talked about, or, you know, do you keep it running back in the backfield, maybe a screen game? What do you do? Yeah, definitely definitely got to mix up a little bit. Screens, um, Wide receiver screens, running back screens, whatever you can, whatever you can do to get that defense off off guard. Basically, punish them for being aggressive. And I will be shocked if they do not have a game plan for when Georgia is bringing pressure. If they're going to bring pressure, you have got to punish them for doing so. You have to. Um, with the garden regarding the tight ends and stuff, hell, bring six. I mean. Use six in protection. Use seven in protection. Whatever you have to do to give Bryce time, to give those wide receivers time. Um, Arguably, well, not even arguably, but the weakest part of this Georgia defense is their secondary. They can be cooked. Bryce just needs time to get the ingredients together. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, just, you know, B.O.B. has got to be creative, get his mind off that Jacksonville, terrible Jacksonville job, but be creative. This is the perfect time to do things that we have not done all year. You know, use some jailbreak screens, wide receiver screens. Um, I would love to see B Rob get an open place. Motion him out. Let's get B Rob matched up on a linebacker. I have the utmost, you know, confidence in his in his catching ability. There's so much that Bama has not done. Cause it's under BLB, it hasn't really been a creative offense. There's so much they can do that Georgia has not seen from us this year that can certainly give us the edge and, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, J-Law, just, just going back to you, uh, you know, we've taught motivation, we've taught offense, we've taught defense, you know, what Georgia has to do differently 
to to move the ball, what Alabama has to do different or differently to move the ball. Um, and, and you know, how do you how do you defend what what you think Georgia's gonna do? Um and for Georgia, how do you defend what you think Alabama's going to do? So we really covered it all except for special teams, which, you know, probably might play a big factor in this game. Um, but now, really, we've broken this down from every which way. Uh, so I, I think it's time to do our predictions and give me a score update, the final one of the year. I need, you know, give me a two- or three-minute synopsis of how you think this game plays out and give me a final score prediction. Georgia comes out of the gates hot again. I mean, they come out of the gates hot every time they play Alabama because they have this, this boosted up amount of energy that they have to release from being the, uh, such an inferior program for not winning a national championship for over 40 years. And, um, you know, even Auburn fans kind of rooting for Bama in this one because they love holding that 1980 over Georgia's head. They love it. They love the fact that they have the same national – same. The amount, the amount of shit Georgia fans talk, dude, you have the same amount of national titles as Auburn, okay? Like, y'all, you, you are Auburn. I know Kirby's trying to take you somewhere else, but you go into this game, Georgia's going to start out hot. You know that. Would not, would not be surprised if they were up 10-3, 10-0, 7-3, something along those lines, watching to have a drive or two. And, man, we've seen Nick Saban weather these storms. We've seen him mount comebacks. He's so good in these championship games making – uh, key decisions, the onside kick against Clemson. We've seen Nick Saban in this moment. Alabama has the best player in college football in Bryce Young, the best defensive player in Will Anderson. They have the best wide receiver in all of college football in, in Jamison Williams. And uh, to me, that that's going to be enough. Uh, the defense is lights out. They have more sacks than Georgia. They have a better rush defense than Georgia. Alabama has played seven of the top 30 score, total offenses in America. I think Georgia's played like three, three of those, if that's not, if that's what I sent you guys. And so, um, you know, they, they don't really, they haven't really played a lot of offenses or elite quarterbacks that can put points on you. And the only one that they've played that is elite is Bryce Young. And he scored 30, we scored 34 points on offense, obviously getting set with the pick six. Um, I ain't picking against Alabama again. Every national title game that Alabama's been in, I picked the winner correctly. I picked Clemson both times that we lost. Um, but I think I think Alabama wins this game. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama's defense come out with a little added extra energy. You go out, you beat them like dogs the first go-around, and people are still telling you that Georgia's defense is better than yours. Look for this group of guys to be fired up. I like Alabama. Give me 27-17, Bama. Saban gets his seventh in Tuscaloosa. No way. We hold them to 17 points. Like, I mean, I, you know, we, we picked Stetson three times from Brian Denny last year. Um, they were leading at the half. We picked him one or twice in the SEC championship game, dropped the pick six. So he should have six interceptions in eight quarters as a starting quarterback against Alabama. Um, you know, this game – can be argued from either side so easily. And I can't rem- I can't recall the time, even the SEC championship game, the only thing you could say about Alabama was we got Bryce Young. They got Bryce Young. Well, you can't protect him. You just gave up seven sacks to Auburn. But they did. We didn't know that was going to happen. But going into this game, you know, Georgia's got the revenge, like I said earlier. Um, they've got the better roster in this game. What they're going to put on the field, Alabama – Dude, could have two offensive linemen out. Who knows? 
I mean, we don't know. Saban won't update the status of anybody. He don't want to tilt his hand with in that regard. You could have two offensive linemen out. You you've got two run two start two running backs that played a lot this year. They're gone. You're missing two corners. You're missing a, an all American receiver. And so everything's just going against Alabama on paper. Um, and everything is going for Georgia. They, they, they're not missing anybody. They're, they're at full strength. But then, you know, you turn around and be like, okay, Jordan Davis is a force in the middle. He's ineffective against Alabama. And, and he, can, he can spit all the bullshit he wants about how he wasn't in shape the first game. Dude, you're not in shape because you don't play anybody that plays like Alabama does. Um, for Alabama to win this game, Bryce has to throw it 50 times. We know that. And so Jordan Davis, when you're playing against the run, he's so big, he, it takes minimal effort just to hold a guy up, even a 330-pound offensive lineman, to just stand him up and then read and then shuck him and make a tackle at the line of scrimmage. That's why he only had like four or five tackles for loss or something like that. And that's because he didn't – he doesn't get a lot of penetration. He wants to make all of his plays at the line of scrimmage because it takes minimal effort to read and react when you just come out of your stance and tackle the guy for a yard or no gain. It's still a good play, don't get me wrong, but when he has to run 10 to 12 yards and fight through one or two guys to, to try to make a play in the backfield and try to go get a sack, he's ineffective. And so I think that's a huge help for Alabama. I, I would not expect him to play more than 30 plays in this game. I just wouldn't. And, you know, it's just – and so that that's a positive, you know, for Alabama. I, I mean, you know, Georgia, I, I think that their defense got overwhelmed. I do. Jalen made a good point about Georgia coming out hot against Alabama. Um, but then I think, you know, Alabama started hitting some big plays – and I think Georgia's defense got overwhelmed. They had not; they had been softened up by a weak SEC East schedule, and, uh, and and they were not ready to be hit in the mouth like that. They had read all the press clippings that said they were the best, greatest thing since sliced bread. And so I think they got overwhelmed once Alabama kind of started rolling after that long play to Jamison Williams. Um, they, they were a little shell shot. I don't think they're going to be that way this time. They're going to be prepared for it, and. Um, you know, you you look, you flip it over. Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding, their last two games have probably been their best called games. Uh, I think Pete Golding was phenomenal against Auburn and uh, in Cincinnati. Or not, I'm sorry, Georgia and uh, in Cincinnati. I thought Bill O'Brien had a really good plan against Georgia and a really good plan against Cincinnati. He's taking what the defense gives him, and uh, and and he's executing what he saw. He saw he could beat Georgia deep. He saw they were weakest in the secondary. They're not bad but that's the weakest part if you compare them to the linebackers and the D linemen. And he saw Cincinnati, their strength was the secondary. So I'm just going to pound you up front. It's really good, really easy. A blind monkey can see it, but you know, Bill O'Brien, he's really struggled with some of his game plans this year. Uh, you, you know, you look at the LSU game, look at the Auburn game. It's really piss poor. Um, but you know, they've called two really good games in a row. Uh, you know, Georgia always seems to be leading. I know the SEC championship game wasn't, wasn't, anomaly but you know georgia loves to be leading alabama at the half can nick saban once again make the halftime adjustments he needs because that's where that's been his strong point is adjusting at the half and shutting georgia down uh 
and, and being able to put points on the board to come back and win. Alabama's got the underdog. They get to play the underdog card again. I mean, you just showed up in this in this team's home state, beat their ass in, a, in the championship format, and then you're you're playing again in a neutral site where you won't have 30% of the fans. You should have at least 40 or 45, I would think. And uh, and and you know, you've got to go, you've got to go play them again, and you're still an underdog. They're still disrespecting you. I think that's huge for Alabama. But you know, when it comes down to it. I think the loss of Mechie, just a little bit too great. I know I said earlier, don't bet against Alabama and Nick Saban as an underdog. I'm going 31-27 dogs. I just – I think that Georgia – I think it's just their year. They have too much going for them, and Alabama's just too banged up. I think Monken does a good job of exposing Kool-Aid. I would go right at him. Anytime George Pickens is lined up on him, I'm like, you run as far as you can and throw it up because Kool-Aid's going to tackle the guy or he's going to hold him. He's going to commit pass interference. He's not ready to play at this level yet. I think he can be good, you know, maybe next year, but right now he's not ready. And, uh, and so I just think there's too many mi- – There's how about this? There's more mismatches that Georgia can exploit on Alabama's defense than there are for Alabama – to exploit against Georgia's defense. Georgia's defense is just that much more sound, especially without John Mechie, than, than, you know, Alabama's defense. Alabama's defense just has too many holes. Um, Lester, final one of the year, give me your uh, give me your breakdown and give me a score prediction. I'm going to go with um, 34-24 Bama, and I'm going to make a prediction here, one defensive touchdown for Alabama. I want to see it. I want to see it. I believe that um, Sesson Bennett throws the ball up under the slightest amount of pressure. I do not believe in him. Um, I don't think Stetson, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, will ever beat Alabama in football. So I'm going to go with 34-24 Bama, and I'm going to be looking for a hopefully a defensive touchdown. And guys, I you know I hope you guys are right, and I hope I'm wrong. I think Lester, weren't you the only one that predicted Alabama to beat Georgia the first go around? So I hope I hope you're right again. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, it's just it's just tough, and and you know, I, not once have I said like Jay Law said earlier, not once did I say that I bring up the you know playing somebody twice. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I just think that Georgia's just better, and. You know, I, I'm not calling the SEC championship game fluky, but I do think that, you know, once they were up 10 to nothing, I thought Georgia on that sidelines had the mentality of, hey, we're going to coast and this is going to be easy, just like it has been 12 times before this season. And we're just going to coast. And then Alabama hits the big play, got some momentum, and Georgia didn't act on it. They didn't really try to fix anything. They just were like, oh, we busted. You know, that was on us. They didn't they didn't do anything right. We just busted, and the guy's really fast. And then I think Alabama – or Georgia just got overwhelmed defensively. I mean, I think Alabama ratted off, like, what, 38 in a row or something like that. I mean, it was just a beatdown. And I think before, before you blinked, I mean – and, you know, also it was a perfect storm. Alabama scores right before half. Mechie goes down, and then they come out, get the ball second half and score again. You know, how many times is that going to happen? So – I don't I, I I mean I don't look for that to happen again. And that's kind of that momentum swing, you know, there's gonna be a couple of plays in this game that's just gonna shift the momentum. And which team is going to be able to counter that better? 
you know, if, if Alabama jumps up 14-10, 14-3, you know, it's just – you don't want to say it's over, but, dude, you it's make – ball Stetson, game. Dude, you it's make Stetson game. Bennett play from behind. He just can't do it. And, he, dude, even against Michigan, he made a couple of throws late over the middle. You're like, what are you doing? You're just dumb. But I just think Georgia just – I think they're defensively just going to stifle us a little bit too much without Mitch. And uh, – but – I hope I'm wrong, man. I will be in attendance, fortunately. Um, J-Law, what you could go. You were there the last time we played Georgia in the Natty, so we need you there. Uh, Drew Montgomery, a former guest and a, a current gump runner, is already in Indianapolis. And um, I think he wanted to join us, like, from the bar he's at or something. But it's like, come on, dude. Yeah, he's been texting us, like, the whole time. But I think, Drew, I think Drew's a little drunk. Yeah, I think he's <laughs> he's he's fighting with Georgia fans through a chalkboard at the bar. So if that tells you anything, um, but hey, oh by the way, I do want to say all this gump Twitter shit. If we lose because of this crimson crane shit y'all are doing, shame on you. I'll leave it at that. And y'all can come at me all you want to. You've done it before. I'm not scared of you um, because all y'all hiding behind keyboards anyway. If we lose because y'all geniuses with that crimson crane bullshit, I'm coming at you. And another thing, all this gump Twitter, y'all are just trying to get followers. How about I better see y'all at the game? I better be see y'all tweeting. I better see y'all tweeting pictures from the stadium because don't don't talk all this shit online and then not get your ass to Indy. So that's all I'm gonna say. Y'all know how I feel about that. I'm a very superstitious person. JLo, we're sitting here talking about like you know from underwear to socks to hat like everything that you're wearing already that scream superstition i've already got my clothes laid out dude Paige moved them the other day and i got pissed i'm like hold up do not move these clothes like i've got to have these so i mean dude don't don't be talking mess before the game but anyway all right guys look last uh pre-game football or last, yeah, pregame football podcast we're going to do for the 2021 season. Y'all got anything else you want to add before we hop out of here? All right. I tell you, the silence is a definite no. J-Law's giving me the thumbs up. We're going to get out of here, guys. We appreciate y'all um, listening in. We'll do a uh, – we'll, you know, we'll do another podcast next week talking about our dreadful hoops performance. I can't wait for Auburn to beat us by about 30 in Coleman Coliseum, they lose Missouri today, one of the worst teams in the Southeastern Conference on the road. But, you know, we'll save that for another time. Hopefully we're discussing a national championship win, number 19. Let's go get them, boys. Roll Tide. Episode 57, Gump Runners Podcast, Jeremy Law, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell. We're out of here. See you all next week.